online today. This is the first time that we are attempting to live stream, so we are uh, asking you in advance in case there are any technical difficulties. We blame CPOR. It's all on CPOR. It rises and falls on CPOR. Um, no, I'm joking. We are so glad that you would join us. We know that for many people, it's still not wise for you to come into contact like this with others. But let me just say, we're missing you. Uh, we're enjoying ourselves being here in person. So you really are missing out. Hopefully, you're going to be strong and healthy enough sometime soon that you can join us back in person. Uh, but for the rest of everybody else that's here in person as well, as you can see behind me, we are starting a new series this month. And really, we are actually trusting God. My prayer is that even though this has been, hopefully, one of the weirdest years, for, I mean, hopefully I haven't had too many years like this, but, but it has been one of the weirdest years uh, of most people's lives, and in some cases it's been incredibly uh, challenging and dramatic. Our hope is that, is that this December there will just be constant um, moments of hope, peace, and joy, that you would experience little, little glimpses, at least, if not big glimpses, of God's faithfulness, of God's kindness, of God's hope. Jesus came. The Christmas season is all about remembering and celebrating that Jesus came to bring joy. He came to bring hope. He, he came to bring life. And so what an incredible privilege that we get to remember this, that we get to celebrate this during the month of December. And so what I'm wanting to kind of just touch on a little bit today is, is how I believe that we actually find hope as we find rest in God, as we find peace in God. Uh, I think too often we are waiting for the circumstances to improve for us to feel peace or hope or joy. At least there have been many times in my life where I'm not even conscious about it. I just tend to assume that, okay, when everything gets better, I'll feel better. Anyone ever been like that before? Yeah. Okay, the rest of you are lying or you have very little self-awareness. That's okay. <laughs> um, and so, and so I'm, a few years ago, in fact, we actually like, had a theme for the whole year that we just called Stronger, where we just started realizing, you know what, I think it was about five or six years ago, where we just said, you know what, we, we, we can't wait for life to get easier. We've got to get stronger. Yeah. We've actually got to increase our capacity. And, and I think that's part of maturity, by the way. I mean, it's okay to want life to be easier sometimes or to have a little less pain. Like, that's okay to want that, but don't, but don't worship that. Don't wait for that. Uh, we're able to actually have peace in the storm. We're able to have hope in the midst of confusion. And I believe that Jesus offers us rest for our souls. I love that phrase, rest for our souls. Like it's not just a superficial rest, although many of us need that, all right? So many of us do need physical rest. Like we need to stop, we need to, we need to rest, we need to sleep, like, and hopefully some of you are going to get to take leave. So we do need that, but I think, I'm just so convinced that Jesus actually offers us rest on a much, much deeper level. Take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 13. In fact, in case you don't know this, we've got the scripture up on the wall over there. That's how big a deal it is to us. It says that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, which I imagine would include quite a lot of people. Those of you present, those of you watching. And then I love how he says, and... I will give you rest. Notice he doesn't tell you that he'll give you all the answers or that he'll solve all the problems. Yeah. Uh, by the way, like the Bible never promises that God will give us everything we want and solve every problem or every dilemma or every challenge. Yeah. Okay? Uh, but he does promise us peace. He does promise us hope, joy, and in this case, rest. Then he goes on in verse 29. He said, take my yoke upon you. 
Now, I know that for the most part, especially if you've been around church for a long time, you've probably seen people, you know, kind of explain the, the illustration here of oxen that are being yoked together. And there is an element of, of, of truth in that, absolutely. But, but my understanding is that during these times in Hebrew culture, a rabbi, when he made reference to his yoke, was actually making reference to his way of doing life. So, so when people were following a rabbi, following a teacher, they were actually, I know this sounds weird, right? Like actually following your leader. I don't mean me. I mean like, 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 like the, the teaching. So, so in, in other words, we're able to say I believe in God, but we don't necessarily follow God. And I think that for us to have the rest of God, we need to follow the way of God. And so when Jesus says, I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you. He's actually, he's not saying I'm going to put another burden onto you. He's saying, actually, if you follow my way, of life you're going to find life take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i'm humble and gentle at heart some, there are days where i'm so grateful that he says i'm gentle at heart because if it were me sometimes i'd get so frustrated with me that i'd get aggressive with me I, like i'd be aggressive and frustrated at heart no no he's gentle at heart he wants to lead us in a life-giving way and you will find here's that great phrase rest for your souls like on the deepest level i am absolutely convinced that god makes available to those who will not just believe in him but follow him and follow his way i believe that he makes available rest on the very 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 deepest level in the depths of our soul where where whether we're getting everything we want or, or not getting everything we want whether we're in summer spring autumn or winter there's still a level of rest for our souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden i give you is light my yoke is easy to bear in other words jesus is saying my way of life that leads to life is actually quite doable and some of you have maybe approached even christianity as a very cumbersome religion or maybe you've had exposure to other religions where 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 you just constantly feel like this is hard this is this is tiring. This is cumbersome. This is, and, and you get to the end of the year and you feel more tired than ever before. And so I want to encourage you that Jesus is saying, actually, my way is, like, relatively speaking, it's actually easy. And so the challenge for us is to look at, okay, what is this way that leads to life? What is this way that leads to, to rest for our souls? And I, man, my heart, my burden, my prayer for us this December, maybe like never before, is God, please help us to to find rest for our souls in you. Help us to genuinely get through December and, and, and not just like get to the end of the year, but actually arrive at the end of the year good. Like, okay. Even, even if there's been incredible loss. And I know a lot of people personally, even I don't, I'd have to actually stop and add up how many people I've spoken to this week who have lost people close to them this week. Like, I know that, there is, that there's an incredible amount that, that some people are dealing with. But I'm saying I still think that is possible not to not to fake it and not to pretend like everything's fine but to get to the end of the year and, and actually be okay and like okay god like fine 2020 is over thank you jesus let's tackle 2021 like there, there is still something in the tank because your soul is refreshed so let's take a look at one of those ways i i think that there are many examples that jesus gives throughout scripture but the one that i'm wanting to just touch on briefly today is the one that i am convinced will bring the most life the one that'll bring the most rest the one that'll bring the most joy in matthew 
chapter 4, just before we put it up on the screen, uh, what we're about to read is, is what happened to Jesus just after he was baptized. Okay, so to give you a little bit of background, if you're unfamiliar with, with the Bible, Jesus was born around Christmas time. That's why we celebrate, at least symbolically, Christmas. And then for the next 30 years, he was basically living in obscurity. That'll mess with a lot of young people, minds, by the way, who feel like we've got to be on, you know, we've got to be famous as quickly as possible. And so we burn bright and then burn out. Jesus, Jesus, guys, the, the Son of God, needed 30 years. I can remember being in my 20s and being very impatient. I can remember being in my 20s and thinking, like, I've got this. Like, I've got, I've got, I've got thoughts. I've got vision. I know stuff. A lot more than these older people. Hey, Jesus waited and served in obscurity. He wasn't an influencer on Instagram. He didn't have millions and millions of, you know, Facebook friends. He was a nobody. And then, at the right time, man, I wish that we could wait for the right time. Sometimes we tackle, you know, we try and force the right thing at the wrong time. You know, you know what we call a child that is born too early. We call it premature. And in many cases, that child is weak for longer than, than if it had been able to stay in for another month or another two months. And so often we, anyway, that's a whole other side note. I'm getting carried away. All right, so, so, so Jesus is baptized, right? And basically, basically, this is almost like his inauguration. And, and, the, and the heavens, you know, kind of part a little bit. This, this voice comes where, where the father is saying, this is my son uh, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. What a great thought, even just, just that alone. To have been in obscurity and to hear the father say, hey, well done. Proud of you. To hear the father say, well done. No one else knows what you've been doing. I'm proud of you. Well done. And then the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit isn't a dove, just so you know. But, but, but in this particular case, I don't know why God allows some of this stuff to happen. Like, it just confuses people, right? Anyway, anyway, in the form of a dove. Then, let's take a look at Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. That's exciting. Hey? Been waiting for 30 years in obscurity. I've just been baptized. Everyone knows I'm the, you know, the Messiah. And like, boom, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the English Standard Version, my young friend, Joe Irwin, and one or two. Who, who, who reads the ESV, by the way? Anyone read the ESV? Steve Deck, of course you do. Boy, Kettler, really? Okay. And Moffat does. He's not here. Anybody else? ESV? ESV readers? These are very intelligent people, just so you know, okay? ESV, ESV, but anyway, I like how the ESV is quite blunt. In Mark 1 verse 12, it says that the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Like, it's just stronger. Like, like sometimes we blame the devil for stuff that actually the Holy Spirit is leading us towards. But again, that's a side note. Then it says, in verse 2 of Matthew uh, chapter 4, it says, verse 2, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and just in case this is a surprise to you, he became hungry. <laughs> Again, the ESV, I like it. Very blunt. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
During that time, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 4, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Like, like the devil, like, don't you, isn't your first thought, that's just like the devil. He comes to me when I'm hangry, when, when, when I've been, when I'm at my weakest, right? Anyone think that? Okay. So I wanted, I just want to help you shift your thinking a little bit. See, for us, we think that Jesus being in the wilderness, fasting and praying for 40 days would leave him at his weakest. Actually, I think the Bible paints a picture that it was only after being in the wilderness for 40 days and fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, that he was at his strongest, that he could actually resist the devil and actually come out unscathed because he had learned to rest in God. Now that word that is used there for wilderness is the Greek word that I think is pronounced eremos. Okay, there should be like a little, I don't know, goodie on one or two of the E's. But it's, but it's pronounced eremos, I think, and it means desert, deserted place, desolate place, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, wilderness, or my favorite is the quiet place. So it doesn't always necessarily mean that it was sand and, and heat. And there are, I, 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 I didn't have the time to count how many times this appears in the New Testament scriptures, just how often Jesus would retreat to the quiet place where his soul could be strengthened, where his soul could be nourished. I believe that he had the capacity to resist the enemy, even, in, even under the circumstances of apparent weakness, he was actually so much stronger. I'm going to read another passage to you in a moment. This, this particular chapter actually ministered to me incredibly near the beginning of lockdown. Because at the beginning of lockdown, I felt like everything had changed. It, well, everything had changed. Like all of a sudden, church as we knew it had changed, and I'm responsible, and now we've got to figure out stuff and get online, and are people okay? And income's dropping if you want to actually help people more. And, and so there were just a lot of things that, that went on. And, and, and I was actually struggling to pull aside into the quiet place. I, I, the first couple of weeks, I was struggling to actually find that quiet space and be refreshed in God. I wasn't sleeping well. I was eating a lot and compensating and all kinds of stuff. So, so when I read this next chapter, I was actually quite encouraged because at the beginning of Matthew 14, it, it, it shares a few stories, but then it talks about how John the Baptist is murdered. So long story, but he's murdered. And John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Jesus loved him. And it says in Matthew 14, verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area. Anybody want to guess what that word remote area is in Greek? Eremos. Okay, so he, he immediately went to a remote place. If I'm being very honest with you and a little bit vulnerable, there have been many times in my life where when I'm dealing with pain or disappointment or frustration, my default isn't the quiet place. My default is sugar and series. So it, I may not go and get drunk, I may not go and get high, but I want to escape in, in, in other unhealthy ways instead of, actually, instead of actually going to the source of life and actually finding that, that hope. But then look at this. <laughs> the crowds heard where he, where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Then it says that Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So even though Jesus was heading to that quiet place, 
I think he was so secure and healthy, and it wasn't just religious for him, it wasn't just ticking boxes, it wasn't just legalistic, that he was okay with being interrupted. And, and that made me feel a lot better, it just, just in that particular moment, because I'm like, God, I'm trying to find quiet space, but no one will leave me alone. And like, and like sometimes it's okay. You don't want to make a habit out of it, but sometimes, yes, life happens. You want to have a perfect Sabbath, as though there is such a thing, you know, and, and just stuff happens. Or you want to have a, any, you know, those of you that are parents of young kids, or now we have a puppy, you know, you, you wake up early to have a quiet time, and the kids wake up even earlier. Yeah. Like, like, it's just, sometimes it's just complex. Then he feeds the 5,000. That's also an interesting story. Like, like he, he was needing to get away, yet he was interruptible and was able to have compassion and feed thousands of people. And then in verse 23, it says that after sending them home, this is now you fed everybody. Okay, you're all full. You've had your Mackey D's. Get back to your, you know, your homes. It says after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. And again, I wish I had the time to tell you, you know, several stories. I mean, I'll tell you one, one, one more in a moment. But, but the point that I want to emphasize is that this wasn't a one-time deal for Jesus. Even when he had been busy, even when he had been tired, he knew that, that what was going to refresh him most wasn't going to be, you know, to binge on social media or, or beer or series or whatever. Although some of that stuff might be okay in the right moderation. But, but he knew when he needed time alone with his father, uninterrupted time with his father. Jesus, I believe, would come out of these quiet spaces, out of these separated spaces, with a far clearer sense of his identity and his calling. It amazes me at how Jesus was able to say no. Like his disciples would come and say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, the people, like, like basically he's saying, hey, Oprah's heard about you, TMZ's heard about you, uh, hey, hey, they're wanting you. And he'd be like, no, that's not what I've been called to do. Let's move on to the next village. And the camera crew didn't follow him to the next village, just so you know. Like, like it really, he would really leave the crowd and go back into obscurity to keep doing what God had called him to do. He, now, now, that might not be everybody, but for him, that's, who, that's, that's what God had called him to do. That's who God had called him to be. He knew his identity. I think that we are so often doing damage to our souls because we don't know who God has called us to be and made us to be. And so we keep digging the hole deeper and deeper. We are exhausted because we don't know who God's made us to be. Where, we, where, where, where it becomes clearer and clearer, the road becomes narrower and narrower to where we know the vision that God, God's called us towards, the purpose that God's called us towards, and we're able to, to say no to the right things and to say yes to the right things. Luke 5 is 15, last story. It says that despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. Like, have you ever heard of an influence, an influence that says, don't tell anybody? Like, he was just so secure. He was like, oh, you don't, go, go, go. it's okay, everybody. Don't tell anyone. But his fame spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But then look at verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. What's the word for wilderness? Eremos. Okay, to the quiet place, he would often withdraw to the quiet place. I think in seasons of stress and busyness, especially for many of us, a year like this where it has demanded uh, different things from us, 
it becomes so easy, at least it does for me, to make excuses for why, for why I don't have time to actually pull aside, to get into a quiet space. Maybe, maybe you, you've had to deal with trying to homeschool kids and do work and you know, keep the house in order and all the rest. Or maybe you're just ADD, or maybe you're just like an extrovert. And for the, so the idea of you, for you being quiet for a few minutes is like, like torture. Whatever the excuse is, I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus needed time in the quiet place. Can I say that again? Jesus needed time in the quiet place. If we want hope, peace, and joy, if we want rest for our souls, I mean, I'm hoping that Sunday is a part of that for you. I'm hoping that you do commit to some form of Sabbath. For most people, that is a Sunday. For others that work on a Sunday, it's maybe a Saturday or a Monday, whatever it is. But I want to encourage you that 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 rest is going to come far more in your Monday to Saturday time than just if, you know, whether or not you get to experience a, a good high on a podcast, or, which is great, or, or a great church service, which is important. But where there is that, where there is that commitment, that regular pulling aside to allow the easy yoke to be put on us, to lead us, where we can find rest for our souls. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says that one of the great problems of spirituality in our day is that so few people feel safe enough to admit how separated they feel from God. And I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. And, and I hope this doesn't discourage you that this is what I think. But I think that many people, many of us sitting here right now, we probably would not feel super safe in saying just how separated just how often we feel separated from God. And so that's to just let you know, hey, you're, you're, you're human, you're normal, but maybe we don't want to be normal. And, and, maybe, and maybe we need to be more intentional, otherwise we are just going to be normal. And so it's okay to, to again, I often say that God's, you're the only one that's surprised when you're honest with God. Like God's not surprised or offended when you say, God, I feel far from you. He's like, I know, but that's okay. Like, he has the invitation. In fact, just, just that awareness is an invitation to pull aside. Come to me. I am gentle. And I will give you rest for your soul. A couple of quick practical principles before we wrap up. I want to encourage you to find a place and a time with minimal distractions. Now, this is all relative, and I'm so mindful that people live in very, very different circumstances. So maybe for you, it, maybe you travel you know, on the taxi or the bus or whatever for an hour every day, and maybe you can put headphones on with some white noise and kind of block out the distractions. That might be the case. Or maybe you, you live somewhere that you can take a walk to the park or, or along the beach. Although, again, for me personally, my personality, walking along the beach, I find it too distracting because they're people. I'm like, I'm like a dog, you know, that's like, oh, like, like I just, I, I get, I get overstimulated. I, I need to, if I'm going to go walk around, I need to go with, with as much quiet as possible. That's why I love Newlands Forest. So even this morning I was out early and it was just, there was nobody around. It was beautiful. I mean, I love people, but it was so nice. Just like there, there are no cars. You can actually hear the birds, you know, in, anyway. So it could be a spot at a window where you're looking out at a tree or it could be it could i don't know some people literally use their cupboard like they've got an extra cupboard where they can go sit. i don't know whatever works for you find a place and a time with minimal distractions then another principle is pursue a person not a program 
The goal is Jesus, everybody. The goal is not to tick a box and just to get through a program. No, no, it's, please, can I give you permission to, to take all the pressure off of yourself with how you think you need to perform? No, no, just make Jesus the priority. Which leads to the second principle of, or sorry, the third rather, of pursue a person, not perfection. Because our human nature wants to judge the time that we have with him. Was it good enough? Did I connect enough? Did I, I, did I hear anything? I don't think I heard anything. Did, did I pray the right prayer? Did I, did, did I read what I should have? Yeah. Guys, again, if those of you that are parents, you know what it's like when you just enjoy being with your kids. Or if you're married, or you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, like you just enjoy being with that person. In fact, I would argue that the more secure you become in that relationship, the less you feel like you have to perform. The less you feel like you have to produce. The less you feel like you have to fill the time yeah. with with the work of words, with the work of prayer, with the work of... No, no, just, it's okay to just be. So, so this is going to mess with some perfectionists, but try not to judge your experience. If you feel like, ah, it wasn't great, I felt like I was on crack cocaine again, and my mind was like... It's okay, just say, okay, God, I'll see you same place, same time, tomorrow. Another principle, you've heard me say this before, if you've been around for a while, start where you are, not where you want to be. Start where you are, not where you want to be. So, like, I actually want to caution you not to try and aim too high, too fast. I'll, I'll give you a couple of practical examples now in a moment as to where you may be and how to start there. But start where you are, not where you want to be. It's a journey, everybody. It's okay. Because the last principle is that consistency builds intimacy. I would rather you start off small, or if you're already doing small, maybe you add a little bit more to it. But pursue consistency, because consistency... I believe, will actually produce or build intimacy. Then, practically, and I'm going to wrap up with this, the worship team can come on up, is that, again, depending on where you are, if you're only starting out with, with, with trying to actually spend time with God intentionally and on a regular basis, then I would encourage you to try for three to five times a week for 10 to 15 minutes. Like, just, you might say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. No, 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 just, can you just get started? Like, just get started, and, and, and again, keep that consistent. Start where you are, not, not where you want to be. Okay, but Jason, fine. Okay, got that. What do I do? Well, I love this acrostic of the word pray, P-R-A-Y. The P, I think, encourages us to pause. So just actually slow down before you rush into all the, all the, all the prayers and all the um, questions and, and answers. And it's okay if that's naturally what's happening to begin with, but I want to encourage you to try and slow yourself down. You're trying to get into a quiet place. Stop the striving, stop the work, stop the effort. Like, just can you, like, I want to, again, this might drive you crazy to begin with, but even just try and be quiet for like 30 seconds. Like, just, okay, God, I say I'm supposed to be secure with you. Help me to be secure with you. That's okay. Or for others, it's easy. It's like, Jason, 30 seconds, are you kidding? I can chill out for like 30 minutes. That's wonderful. Do that. But I want to encourage you to start where you are, not where you want to be. So P is for pause. R is for rejoice and reflect on Scripture. To rejoice is just thank God for something. Be intentional about thanking Him for something. And then reflect on Scripture. Again, if, if you're only trying to put 10 or 15 minutes aside, you can't read a lot. It's okay. Read something short. Maybe you go onto the YouVersion Bible app and you, and you, just, and you just go through the, through, through the story for the day. Again, I'm not saying that that's where you should end up. I'm saying that could be where you start. Reflect on a short passage of Scripture. 
A is for ask. Like, it's okay to ask your Heavenly Father. He's the kindest person you'll ever meet. You're allowed to ask, as long as you don't demand. Ask, but then Y stands for yield, surrender, yield. Okay, God, I'm asking for this stuff, but I think you know what's best. So I'm going to surrender, I think. I mean, I'm going to try. I mean, not really. Okay, wait. Okay, help me, help me. I want to surrender, but I don't really want it. So help me to one to one to surrender. Like, like it's okay. Just be real, and you will find rest for yourselves. Guys, he invites us into an intimate, secure, life-giving relationship. So if you're starting out, maybe it's three to five times a week, ten to fifteen minutes. If you're already doing that then I'd encourage you to maybe try and up it to like as close to seven days a week where you just, again, you're just trying to build up the consistency. You'll be amazed at how the more consistent you are, the more you miss it when you can't do it. And then lastly, if you're already doing that, well then the challenge for you might be to up it to like 30 to 60 minutes a day. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you start feeling like, oh, like, I just don't feel like it's enough. You know, and you, and you feel like you're wanting more. Like, that's okay. Respond to that invitation and, and create even more space. Create even more, more time in your day. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're creative. Maybe you try different things. Maybe you go for a run or a walk or you go sit at the beach or you go sit in a park or you just try stuff. That's okay. And when you do take your Sabbath, maybe you've got more time in your hands because hopefully you're not doing any paid or unpaid work on your Sabbath. That's what a Sabbath is, to rest. Not just to rest from paid work and then kill yourself off doing unpaid work. No, no, like the idea of the Sabbath is to rest and to do what is life-giving and delightful and where we enjoy the gift of rest. You don't take, you don't rest once you've done everything you need to do. No, no. God actually gives you permission to just take one day a week to just rest for free, even if you don't feel like you deserve it. Like, that's okay. So then you might have more time. Maybe it's a Sunday, so you come to church and then you relax and you enjoy a meal with your family and then you maybe you spend a bit, bit of time with God that's unrushed and anyway. What I want to leave with you is this idea that when He offers rest for our souls, I really do think that He is offering rest for our souls. It is a rest and a peace that goes beyond human understanding. The last 10 years in particular, and then the last five years especially, and then the last year or two even more so. I feel like God has been challenging, because I'm a slow learner, challenging me, challenging me, inviting me to where He's saying, Jason, you don't have to understand everything in order to have peace. Jason, you don't have to have the answers in order to have peace. Jason, you don't have to know how it's all going to work out to have peace. You don't, it doesn't all have to be good for you to have peace. You can. So even recently, soon I've been grieving over, over, over a particular situation that, that's out of our control, but it's someone that we care about. And, and for the first time in my life, I feel like this is actually happening a little bit more naturally, where, where, where I think finally, finally I've got it, to where my, my, my primary goal I'm not making an idol anymore out of, out of, okay, God, like I need the answers. Tell me how it's going to work out. Tell me what to do. Tell me that it's going to be okay. Actually, for the first time, I feel like, okay, God, the priority is I need peace. I need you. I need your presence. I, God, I, I, I need, I just, I know, I know it, but I want to know it. I, I want to be reassured that it's going to be okay. I've got an incredibly complex meeting later tonight. I'm flying to another part of the country this week to deal with an incredibly complex situation that has huge implications for the people involved and the church involved. Like people, like it's, it's serious. But I, could, I can pull aside and I can pray and I can say, God, I am empathetic, sometimes to a fault. Help me, help me not to confuse empathy, compassion, grace. 
for the fact that this sucks. Like, it does suck. It's sad. It's okay to grieve. You've lost someone, it's okay to grieve. You're dealing with the consequences of someone else's choice. You're, you're allowed to grieve, but you can have peace in that grief. In fact, the Bible says to grieve with hope. So we can actually grieve with hope, but hope isn't going to be found in the answers or guarantees or figuring everything out. Hope is found in a person. So let's draw aside into the quiet place and let's get with God. Come on, can I get you to stand up with me as we pray? And those of you that are watching at home, just close your eyes for a few moments. And let's just, let's just, take, let's just take a few seconds. If you're comfortable doing this, you can open your hands up just as a sign of surrender. Maybe you know that you're, you've been holding on to some stuff. Even as you've walked in this morning, you're holding on to some stuff. Can you, just, can you symbolically just try and let it go to God? Say, God, I, I need a rest for my soul and a peace and a hope that goes beyond me getting exactly what I want when I want it. God, I, I don't have to have the answers before I leave here today. I can have you. I can have hope. I can have peace. Lord, as we're just quietening down for a few moments, would you help us to sense your invitation to the Eremos? to the quiet place. Help us to find that place and space of solitude where on a regular basis, as close as possible to daily, God, where we are just drawing aside from all the distractions, all the busyness, all the pain, all the confusion, and where we allow you to just help us to be with you. To just be with you, God. Before, before we produce or perform, help us to just enjoy being with you. God, help us to make it a priority to pull aside and to allow you to give us rest for our souls where, you, where we will find life as we follow your way, please. As you're standing here today, no one looking around, your eyes are closed. I do want to extend an invitation to you. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus, but you would like to be, you would like to have that rest for your soul. You'd like to accept that complete, total, and free forgiveness that He offers because of what He did at the cross. And you want to take your next step in choosing to follow Him. If that's you this morning, I would love the honor of including you in a very quick prayer. Where are you standing? No one else is looking around. Can I ask you just to stick your hand up very high? Just reach out. Thank you, man. Reach out very high to the ceiling even. Just make sure I see you. I'd love to just include you in a prayer this morning. Five more seconds. Anybody else who's saying yes to Jesus, I want to begin that relationship. I want to find rest for my soul, forgiveness, and I want to surrender and follow Him. Father, thank You for those that are making that decision today. I pray that they would experience peace, hope, and joy. Lord, help them to see You for who You are. Help them to know that they are washed clean, that spiritually they are a new person, and that practically, psychologically, emotionally, habitually, that they can trust you as they persevere, as they walk with you the rest of their lives, God, and help them to be patient with the journey. Bless them, encourage them. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said,
amen. Before you go off, I want to encourage you, if you're either visiting with us today or maybe you've made a decision today to begin that relationship with God, just to fill out one of our connect cards that's under your chair. You can place it in one of the anything boxes. We would love to connect with you. If you're watching online, you can simply click on the connect with us button back on our website and we will try and send you some information to make sure that we help you practically to take your next steps. God bless you. Don't miss out on part two next week. The Thrill of Hope. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thank you.